Welcome to Lighthouse Church's Sermon Podcast. We pray you are blessed and encouraged with today's message. Good morning. I'm going to preach this morning. I have two scriptures I'm going to hit. One's in Matthew and one's in Romans. And if you know me, you know that I like to watch the news. And I could be a little bit political. And, but the truth is, is, is all the news this year was kind of negative, wasn't it? I'm not going to talk a lot about that. But I did bring some images because it's been the negativity of this year has kind of shaped where I've been in my head for the last couple months and what I've seen God doing in the lives of the people that I've been spending time with. And we had an elders prayer meeting here a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago, and we all agreed that there just did seem to be like this dark division over our country. And it doesn't, some of it's political and some of it is certainly spiritual and some of it is people just seem to be losing grace for each other. And the things that used to be fun, we kind of drag ourselves to this year. This year, And I, we, we were all just as elders just praying over that for our church. And as we were doing that, I was realizing like that is actually not my experience. Like that is actually not the experience of a, the lot, of a lot of the people that I spend time with. And I, I pulled up just a couple pictures, uh, you know, of, of, that I took right off news stations if they come up all that I like to watch. These are a couple pictures that are on the news of the riots that happened this year and last year. Um, This has also been big news this year, the wildfires that have ripped across the West Coast and mudslides. And uh, this is a lot of people's reality, and sometimes it can't be helped. But as I was, like, recapping all of this in my head, I realized that, like, stuff like this is just not my reality. And a lot of our country is bound up and into this kind of confrontation, and it's dominating people's minds, and it's dominating their lives. And if you were here in church last two weeks, Pastor Sean preached an excellent message um, that had everything to do with checking your heart and checking your spirit and making sure that, like, this kind of stuff is not what's dominating the frontal lobe of your brain. And I'm pondering all of this stuff as we go into Christmas, and I really have come to this reality, uh, or this conclusion in my head, that this is not my reality here in Canton, Pennsylvania. This is not like what, and I don't know if it's, well, I have some ideas on why, but this is not how my life is going. And the truth is, is it's not how a lot of your lives are going because I know most of you pretty well. Like most all of you I've spent some amount of time with in the last three weeks. Some of you I've spent a lot of time with in the the last three weeks. But I I just brought this one picture here Uh, This is a picture of one of many pictures we took at the dinner that we did at the McCallum Manor on Monday night. Who was here for that? Yeah, like lots of you. And I was thinking, like, what a difference between that and that. Isn't that a big difference? Between that and that. And I was thinking, like, how is it that my reality right now is this and many of the the people, many of you that I've been spending so much time with is that, and the rest of the world is the other. I think Jesus addresses this uh, because, you know, there is like, the, you know, there's the whole pandemic thing and there's the whole division and the darkness. Um, and, and as you go into the Christmas week, um, those are obviously this and that are the two opposites, right? They're the two extremes. And you'll find yourself on any given day probably somewhere in the middle. But 
I was thinking, I wonder why it is like this for me and for so many of you and why it is like that for so much of the rest of the world. Um, If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want you to turn or just uh, bear with me here. I'll look at this in, I have the scripture to put on the board. It's in Matthew and it's chapter 13, 44 to 46. And I think Jesus really is Uh, touching on this topic of why is it like this for some people and not others. Because the truth is, while the rest of the world's in a riot, I'm thankful that it's Christmas. I'm enjoying being with all of you. I had a blast Monday night. I had a blast going shopping with a couple of my buddies the other night. And uh, here I think is why. Jesus addresses this when he gives this little hint, two, two of the smallest parables in the entire New Testament. Because these are, in fact, two different parables. One of them is one verse long. The other one's two verses long. And here's what Jesus says, but they both address the same topic. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went out and sold all he had and bought the field. Right into the next parable. Again, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought the pearl. This is why some of us are in a great mood for Christmas. And I realized last week as I was listening to Pastor Sean preach, this light bulb went off in my head that we found the pearl of great price. This is the parable called the pearl of great price and the treasure hidden in the field. But if I were to give you any Christmas present this morning, I would say, Merry Christmas, here it is. You found the pearl of great price. Who's found the pearl of great price? I'm going to get into this. Amen, lots of you. I'm going to get into this just a little bit this morning. Uh, But it's basically this, that Jesus loves everybody. He's opened up a pathway to eternity to be forgiven for your sin, reconciled by his blood shed on the cross. And even more than that, he actually beckons everybody who's received that truth into a kingdom lifestyle. So, you know, you can get saved and come to know Jesus and still be, on, be in riot gear the rest of your life and never realize the peace and joy and happiness, or you can get saved and adopt a kingdom lifestyle, and this can become your reality. Who, how much fun did we have on Monday night singing Christmas carols and carrying on? Like fools, really, but eating great food and went home completely blessed. Tons. And see... This is the difference between just getting saved and recognizing that Jesus Christ is the pearl of great price. You know, I was like, the world does seem to be searching. You know, it says here that, you know, this guy that had the pearls, he was a merchant looking for fine pearls. And that's such a perfect description of the rest of the world, isn't it? The world is just out there looking for pearls. It's out there looking for little pearls of fleshly gratification or purpose or meaning. And these people that are yelling in these riots and picket lines are just people that want to be heard and they want to feel like their lives mean something, but they're just looking for pearls, aren't they? But the difference is, is we're doing this and serving people at retirement homes because we already have the pearl of great price. We already have the greatest treasure that we possibly can. And it's changing everything, isn't it? Like when you actually adopt that mentality that Jesus Christ is the pearl of great price, he's the treasure, and you went and bought the whole field, it really does change everything. Like think about it for a second. If you have millions and millions of dollars in the bank, does it bother you if your transmission goes out of your car? No, who cares, right? You write the check. You know, does it bother you if your house needs a new roof on it? Absolutely not. It's not even like a dramatic issue. You book the contractor, you get it done. The same is true in the spiritual when you have the pearl of great price. When you really have a clear 
concise definition of who Jesus Christ is and, and what he's done for you, you go through life the same spiritually. It's not like every little bad thing that happens to you in your life becomes a chaotic event. I mean, if you don't have any money in the bank and you have a car that breaks down and the transmission blows and you can't write the check, it's chaos. It's a big deal. It's the same way in life spiritually. When you have the pearl of great price and you really understand what that is, the woes of this life don't really seem to impact you the same. Is anybody, is anybody getting this? Like the woes of this life don't really seem to matter to you much because you know that the end, at the end of it, you're holding what really matters most. In fact, you have not just the pearl, but you bought the whole entire field. And I'm going to talk to you just a little bit about this this morning, because when you get that into your head, it does change everything, doesn't it? Who here is like, if you've walked down this road of sanctification and been saved any amount of time and really begin to realize that your life is but a speck and eternity is from here all the way around the world, and you realize that your eternity is sealed up, a lot of the little things that used to drive you absolutely mad don't anymore. Isn't that true? And I'm not saying it's all roses and sunshine, but a lot of the things don't drive you crazy anymore. You know, I was thinking many of us, you know, maybe you're here this morning and you've like, you've known Jesus a long time. And isn't it funny how like when you first get saved or you first come to into the presence of the Lord and encounter him powerfully, you know, it's easy to look at him as the treasure in the field and the pearl of great price because your heart just washes with this flood of peace. But isn't it true that life still happens and sometimes Jesus begins to take, take a couple steps back down the filing rank of importance in your life and you have to, re, you have to rededicate and you have to recommit yourself. That happens. And uh, if you've been Christian for any amount of time, you realize that the Christian walk isn't like this. It's more like this, isn't it? It's the ups and downs of life. For those of us who've been doing it any amount of time, we know that one of the most frustrating things is to see our loved ones or to see people that have been shown the truth and not really step into it. I mean, if you really have been filled with the Holy Spirit and you've been to, that's like Chandler said, wasn't that a lot of fun this morning singing Christmas carols to an electric guitar? Like if you've really been in, a, in an environment like that and you know that it isn't just a fun little thing we do for an hour on Sunday mornings, we actually live our lives this way. And believe it or not, that's the kingdom lifestyle that Jesus beckons you into. And if you, if you know that, it's very frustrating when you look out into the world and see the chaos and the tragedy when it's really just so easy to receive forgiveness for your sins through Jesus Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It can be a frustrating thing for those of us who have family members or who have close friends who won't live in that truth or who just will not receive it. It's free, it's easy, it's obviously worth it, and they won't step into it. It's a frustrating thing. And, and Christmas can bring out the, Christmas can actually really bring that out in families, can it? Especially now that it uh, seems that politics have uh, attached themselves to faith, and now that's, that's separating families as well. But uh, I, wanna, I wanna share a thought with you that I had, and if, if you have your, here's where we're really going this morning is in Romans chapter 11. If you have a paper Bible, you can turn there. I didn't load those scriptures onto the screen because I'm going to read five or six verses. But Romans chapter 11, and I'll, I'll be reading in verse 11. Uh, so while you're turning there, we're dealing with this issue of, of if you found the pearl of great price in your life, 
which has been the key to your peace, your happiness, your joy, maybe even your income, and certainly your deliverance from addiction and depression and anxiety. I mean, it's like a real thing, and you, you can't wait to, it's like you want everybody to experience that, and it can be frustrating when they don't. I liken it to this. If you're a parent here, raise your hand. All right, now tell me if you've ever lived this nightmare. Jane will have a toy, and it'll be her toy, and it's really not something that, like, either one of my two boys should be interested in. But let's say Jane's not really interested in the toy, and David begins to pick the toy up. So Jane hasn't played with this toy in, like, two or three weeks. It's back. It's in the corner of the, the living room. And I've asked her five times to pick the toy up, and she doesn't really care. And I'll even threaten to be like, Jane, if you don't pick that up, I'm going to throw that toy away. Because you're obviously not playing with it, and it's taking up space. And so she doesn't care, doesn't care. Well, then David picks the toy up and begins to play. You're laughing, Mary. This is it, right? David picks the toy up, begins to play with the toy, and uh, starts actually inventing a new use for it, and it fits into his little Legos, what he's doing. So he says, well, I'm going to take the toy. And it takes about five seconds for Jane to notice the toy, and now we have an all-out fit in the house. What didn't matter to her five seconds ago, now that she sees David playing with the toy, it's an absolute fight, and now parents have to step in. Who's lived that nightmare before? Wasn't interested in the toy until David picked the toy up, and now what was ready to be thrown in the dumpster is the most important thing in the house, and if she doesn't get it and it's hers and he never touches it again, then all hell's going to break loose, and there's no peace in the family. Paul actually addresses a situation very similar to this. I want you to read along with me in the scriptures this morning. If you have your Bible, and maybe you can get it up there, maybe not, Nate. It's Romans chapter 11, uh, verse 11 is where I'm going to start. And Paul says this. He says, again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgressions, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? I'm talking to you, Gentiles, and as much as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I make, every, make much of my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Amen. Isn't that good? And he finishes here and he says, if the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Did anybody follow what was going on in that scripture? Paul is writing to Gentiles in Rome, Christians that he had not yet met in Rome, and he was saying to them, he's like, listen, I'm a Jew. You know, so he says in verse 11 here, the Jew, they, is the Jews. So if you're trying to interpret this scripture in verse 11, they equals the Jews. And the Jews were kind of like, uh, they were kind of like Jane, who'd put the toy down, set it in the corner, hadn't picked it up. And Paul is hoping that what so often happens in my house with toys happens in the matter of faith with the Jews and the Gentiles. They'd rejected the great treasure, we all know, if you know the Christmas story, uh, and the Easter story especially, it was in fact the Jews, Jesus' own people, that refused to believe that he was the Messiah, ultimately crucified him on a cross for heresy. But he rose from the dead and came back and paid for our sins. But it says they had rejected this great treasure and continued on 
and legalism. So this is where the Jewish mindset was. This is what Paul and Peter and James and John and the remaining apostles were confronting. They found that Gentiles, you and me, non-Jews, were very receptive to the idea that there was not only a loving God in heaven who controlled and reigned over everything, because that just makes sense. If you've ever been to science class, actually, that just makes sense. And they were, they were very accepting of the idea that Christ was the Messiah, and now there was a way back to God for all of us. But the Jews were stuck, not all, but many of them were still stuck in legalism. They were stuck in this idea that we're God's chosen people and we'll be saved by our heritage. And so this is what Paul was constantly confronting. And he was the apostle to the Gentiles, right? He's the one who, if you were in our Sunday school class for the last couple months, who would travel all around Greece and Rome and planted churches um, where Peter and James and John were more so down in Jerusalem uh, dealing with the ministry of the Jews. But Paul was a Jew. And so in this little chunk of scripture here, he's writing to the Romans. And basically what he's saying is, I'm hoping that enough of you will grab on to the free gift that Christ has brought you that even some of my people might become jealous of what you have and receive it. If you look at verse 12 here, I'll read it again. It says, but if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their fullness bring? In their rejection of Christ, salvation had, cut, had opened up to the Gentiles, and Paul was the chief apostle. Um, I don't mean to imply, because see, Gentiles had been coming to God in the Old Testament. Who knows that, right? You didn't have to be a Jew, because if you would think that, you'd think, wow, God's really unfair. He just chose one race of people, and everyone else was going to hell. Not like that at all. In fact, God just favored one nation through a covenant promise he'd made through Abraham, but there's plenty of Gentiles in the Old Testament that had come back to God. God is God, and he's fair and he's loving. Um, you could name plenty. Rahab, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, I believe, was saved in the end of his life, the great king of Babylon. But there's just a couple examples. But what I want you to see now is that through the rejection of the Messiah in the first century church, now the resources of heaven began to be poured out into the ministry to the Gentiles. We could always be saved. Are you with me? Gentiles, God's fair and just. We, anyone who comes to him and believes in him could always be saved. But the difference is, is now, through the Jews' rejection, uh, there was, I think of it like this, there was almost like now a superhighway in between God and the Gentiles. In other words, what the Jews had, the Jews had set the valuable gift aside, and Paul being one of them, was hoping that enough Gentiles would come to Christ and begin to bear fruit that the Jews might become jealous and turn to Christ and receive the Holy Spirit. You know, what a thing to contend with if you're Jewish. You know, you've, you've, maybe you were alive, maybe if they were alive for it, they'd seen this, the ministry of this Jesus, and then they'd uh, rallied into this idea that he was a heretic and then crucified him. Um, but what happens in the next 30 to 40 years is the explosion of the gospel. And so if you were on that train of people who were yelling in the end of the gospels, crucify him, crucify him before Pilate, and then he dies, and you think it's all over, and then he rises from the dead and appears to over 500 people that's historically documented, and you might think, eh, good stories, but it probably wasn't him. But what happens if 10 or 20 years later, now the apostles are raising the dead? And signs and wonders are happening. And you realize now 
you've held on to a faith while God had moved on and was operating under a new covenant now. Now there was salvation through Christ Jesus. Now blood sacrifice of animals wasn't necessary. And here you are holding on to what you knew used to be true. So it was a tough place to be if you were a Jew because what happened was is they were in a church where there was no power and the gospel of the new covenant of Jesus Christ had exploded onto the scene and the power of the Holy Spirit was now entering Gentiles. And I got to thinking, is it really so unreasonable? Is anybody here has a friend or a loved one that's not a Christian? Raise your hand. Yeah, most of us, probably all of us, right? I mean, gosh, it's the world we live in. And I got to thinking, you know, is it really so unreasonable that God might operate that way today? If it works with toys and with kids, and Paul said it was working in the New Testament, that enough, I mean, some held on to their bitterness and their anger and refused to come into the gospel. And many still do today. But if, but if some received the truth and received the Holy Spirit and received Jesus as the pearl of great price, in so much as that their lives were so dramatically changed that it even had Jews scratching their heads and wondering, maybe there's something to it. Is it so unreasonable to think that maybe God works that way today? Is it so unreasonable to think that maybe what seems so obvious to those of us, you know, if you're here this morning and singing Christmas carols and uh, seen a dramatic story of a young man who tried to kill himself 10 months ago, and now he's excited to go to work and come to church and I mean, starting a new life, is it really so unreasonable to think that maybe God works that way today? And what seems so obvious to us remains a mystery to the rest of the world because Christians aren't really quite producing the fruit outside of these four walls that we're supposed to. And I got to thinking, you know, this world craves, uh, I had just one little story. It takes, you know, just on the way home from, from that party at the McCallum Manor, which Usually, I've, I have new guys every year of new beginnings. You know, it's never the... Uh, I took five guys up there with us to help out with the party. But on the way home, I was kind of asking the guys, like, what did you guys think? You know, because this whole Christian stuff is new to them, and some of them have, have been saved a long time and have just fallen off, and some are new believers. But one of the fellows said to me, he said, you know, I was really nervous when we got there because I was wondering what people were thinking. But halfway through, I was having so much fun uh, he, and he made this comment, I could really get used to this. I could actually do this every night. Like he had so much fun, and, and all he did was work, scrub dishes, serve other people, and attempted to sing Christmas carols. But he had so much fun in the kingdom, he caught just a glimpse of what it looks like to make Jesus Christ the pearl of great price. Not to make Jesus just your, you know, some ticket that you'll receive later to get into heaven, but to actually put him at the forefront into your heart and realize that he's the pearl of great price. You already have it, and now you can relax for the rest of your life and spend it being happy, actually having fun, serving other people. It's not really so ridiculous to think that if we had more nights like we had Monday night or more mornings like we had here this morning or more nights like we're going to have tomorrow night, it's harp and bowl. If you want to taste the kingdom, come on out. Leave your reservations at the door. Close your eyes, raise your hands and worship and praise God for just a minute. Don't worry about what everybody else is thinking. And I'm gonna tell you, your view of Jesus will begin to change and your relationship of God, with God will begin to get closer and closer and closer. Come out Christmas Eve. You know, come out next Sunday. If it's not to this church, come out to another one. 
But begin to take your relationship with Jesus beyond this idea of Savior and, and, and stretch it into the friend and father. You know, the world's craving authenticity, isn't it? It's like through all of this BS that I was showing you on the news and the crazy drama that you can begin to wrap your head around if, you, if you're caught up in social media, what really filters through your mind at the end of the night is what's authentic and what isn't, isn't it? And in a world that's craving authenticity, I still think the best form of evangelism is a life lived by example. I think it's actually real results. I think it's actually really people showing up for things like Monday night. I think it's actually really people coming and having fun. Take what was in this house this morning and take it out there. And I think you'll find that to be the best form of evangelism. You know, these things uh, that Paul later writes to the Galatians of love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I make the guys at New Beginnings memorize it. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And as these things are produced in us and taken out into the world, that's how people will look at us and see that we have the pearl of great price. That's how people will look at us and see that this is not, in fact, our reality. This might be the world, but we're in the world. We're not of the world. This is not our reality. And if this is your reality now, if, if dissension and chaos and hatred and bitterness and anger may, has become your reality now, if you're frustrated or, or tore up about things that are going on in the world, it doesn't have to be your reality. And the more of those fruits of the Spirit that begin to get produced in you, church, the more you'll find that people, if this is their reality, they'll look at you the same way Paul was hoping that the Jews would look at the Gentiles and say, you know what? We might have been wrong. We might have crucified the Messiah. We might actually have played into the devil's plan, but it doesn't have to end that way. And if you know the rest of the story, you know that uh, that did in fact happen. Uh, and it is happening today, by the way. These things are being fulfilled in your midst today. I know that I don't pay a great deal of attention, maybe not as much as I should, but I can tell you right now for a fact, and I can give you the resources to log online and find it, but there is a great revival happening in Jerusalem and in the Middle East right now. Actually, more Muslims are coming to Christ now than anywhere else in the world. And it's because God has promised that even if, if out of jealousy, if out of desire for truth, if out of anything, God has promised to save those people. And I want to just make this personal for just a second today and tell you that if you have loved ones that aren't walking with God, if you have friends that aren't walking with God, or maybe if you are somebody who like for so much of my life, I got saved when I was seven and didn't really walk with God again until I was 30. I mean, decades of my life wasted knowing who Jesus was, but not making him the pearl of great price in my life. And honestly, I wasn't, haven't, wasn't really happy until I did. If you're any of those things, ask yourselves these questions this morning before, as we get into the Christmas season. Is Jesus the pearl of great price in your life? It's just a, you don't have to raise your hands. Just a real question. Just, you know, eternity's forever. This is but a speck in it. And, you know, he could come back in 10 minutes or somebody in this room won't be here next year. It's just the truth. Is he really the pearl of great price in your life? Is, is he so valuable that the rest of your treasures and material things in life really don't mean much to you anymore? Are unbelievers looking at your life and becoming curious and maybe, maybe even jealous of the treasure of peace and joy that you found in Jesus? Or do people look at you as just another church-going Pharisee? Just somebody else who is hoping to squeak in to the doors of heaven but not letting the reality of who he really is affect your life now? 
See, that's the difference between being a Christian and being a kingdom-minded follower of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? That's actually the difference. And I think there'll be a lot of people who get to heaven someday having fully understood that their sins were forgiven, having fully received Christ, but God will show them. They'll look back at their life and realize that they wasted half of a century being saved, never fully reaping the benefits of the kingdom. Never fully reaping, never fully coming into this understanding that, you know, you can just be happy. You don't have to be bitter. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to hold on forgiveness. You don't have to be an addict. You don't have to. You don't have to be impoverished. You don't have to do any of these things. Christ paid the price for all of that. Many people will get there. And I was thinking, what a great time, what a great Christmas gift to give yourself this morning to just recommit your life to Christ. To just, just say, God, you know what? It's been a long time since I've actually, I've always loved you. I've always uh, looked at you as, as Lord. I mean, chapel the other day, Sean asked me if I have always believed in God or if I struggle. You know, I've always believed in God. It's the truth. It's a gift of faith, I guess. But I'll tell you right now, I spent a lot of my life when he was not the pearl of great price in my life. And there is an absolute black and white difference in how things have been going for me. And even when things are bad now, it doesn't really bother me as much because I just know that at the end of this, I already have what matters. Amen? I already have what matters. There's going to be years where I'm going to have plenty of money, years where I'm not going to have much. It's just how it's going to go. But at the end, I already have what's going to matter. My challenge to you this morning is don't let this just be another Christmas that passes by you where you're on the outside of the kingdom looking in. You know, if you lost your focus, walk backwards a little bit. Maybe you haven't been in church in years. Maybe you're here every week and it's like, never makes sense to you because it doesn't seem like your reality. It's not that hard to just say, Jesus, I've walked away, take me back. I've got my priorities out of order. You can straighten them out in five minutes. That's the beauty about God, you know? It takes like two minutes to get to figure it back out and put him back at number one in your life. He was more than just a baby or a holiday or a dinner or a few gifts. He's the treasure that all of creation was waiting for. And if you haven't found him yet, find him now. You know, that's what it says earlier in Romans. It says that all of creation waits in great anticipation for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. That means like all of the rest of the world is waiting for you not only to find Jesus, but to make sure that he's the pearl of great price in your life. And you're going to hear the Christmas story half a dozen times in the next week, and you're going to see all of the tinsel and all of the glitter. But at the end of the day, What's it going to look like the 26th or January 30th when the real rubber meets the road in life and the holiday's over? Was he just a baby in the manger to you? Was it just a holiday? Was it just a dinner and a few gifts? Or was he the treasure in the field? I'll challenge you with this before we pray this morning. For those of you that are praying for loved ones or friends to be saved, you know, if you've walked away from God or it's just been a while and your relationship's a little bit stale, I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning uh, just to raise your hand and say, God, you're back at the top. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ before, you can do it this morning. You know, what better Christmas gift to give yourself than knowing that no matter what happens when you walk out of here this morning, that if the worst of the worst happens, that you can spend eternity in heaven with your Lord and Savior. For those of you that are, and this has been me, that uh, are praying for loved ones to be saved or friends to be saved, I was thinking maybe it's time that you picked the toy up and played with it a little bit. Maybe it's time that you picked your faith up and dusted it off and got it a little bit busy. You know, it says back here, I look at this scripture again, it says that, that it was within his great joy 
that he sold all he had and bought the field. It wasn't like, he didn't like begrudgingly go sell his possessions and be like, oh, I hope I have enough. No, the Bible says, Jesus says it was actually with his great joy that he sold everything else he, that he had and he bought the field. And he went on and he lived the rest of his life knowing that he owned the field and he owned the treasure buried in it. If you never found the treasure, he's here today and it's free. Um, you can live the rest of your life knowing that you own the whole field. And I, I'm going to have a good Christmas whether any of you do or not. <laughs> I hope you do, and I want you to, but I want you this morning to, uh, I'd, I'd like you to consider, maybe while we're praying this morning, to sell the rest of your fields right now and, and, and buy the one with the treasure in it. I'd like you to consider that, that maybe that Christmas this year could mean something totally different. I'm just going to ask you guys all to stand, and I just want to pray for you for Christmas. I want you to think about some of the things that, this is pretty simple stuff, isn't it? It's right in the parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had. So as I'm praying this morning, I'm going to just leave a moment or two of silence. If you'd all just close your eyes, I'm going to give you this opportunity. You know, if you'd never sold all your fields and bought the one that mattered, do it now. Just actually quietly to yourself, do it now. It's not that hard. Um, and if you have been saved for a long time, but you feel like maybe Jesus isn't the pearl. Maybe he's not the treasure to you anymore. Maybe it's be you begrudgingly come to church every Sunday and put up with this holiday stuff and these family dinners and, and Bible study on Monday. And maybe these things have become a chore to you instead of a great treasure that you look forward to. Maybe ministry has be, uh, become, become a job and maybe the world has just gotten a little bit more important. If that's you and you want to really have a good Christmas, I'm asking you right now with everybody's eyes closed, just to raise your hand and say, God, you're number one again. Just straighten it out now. Straighten it out five or six days before Christmas. Good, one, two, three, four, five hands. Get it straightened out now, five or six days before Christmas, and you can have the best Christmas of your life. It's like 20 hands. And if you've never been saved before, if you've never really, if you've been interested or curious about Christ, talk to Chandler about it. Talk to me about it. Talk to Pastor Sean about it. Talk to people who have actually been delivered from the pits of hell and are going to have the best Christmas on record starting right now. Talk to them. You don't have to take my word for it. So with your eyes closed this morning, if you've never received Jesus or if you want to recommit your life to him right now, raise your hand. And I'm going to just lead everybody through a prayer up high, as high as you can. It's great. Father, you see the hands in this place this morning. And God, you also see the chaos in this world. And while it wasn't your plan, Jesus, and while it wasn't your idea, for, uh, you had a much different idea for this creation, but God, you made a way back to yourself through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, there's 150 of us here, and we're putting you on back on the throne of our lives, Lord. So for those who have never uh, received Christ before, I'm just gonna just repeat this to yourself, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I know that you're not the most important thing in my life, and I no longer want to live outside the kingdom. I no longer want to be on the outside of this thing looking in. I no longer want to be in the riots and the fires and the chaos and the political ugliness of this world and the family fights. Instead, Father, forgive me. I believe in your son, Jesus, and please come in as my Lord and Savior. It's that easy. Those words right there enter you into the kingdom. And for those of you who have 
walked with him for a long time. Don't take my road. Don't wait 20 years to just be sure you get, don't be so happy you got your ticket punched to heaven that you don't bother to enter the kingdom and live the benefits now. That you don't bother to receive the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy and the peace and the joy and the, the patience. All of these great things that the New Testament promises, if they aren't your reality, if that's not, if your reality isn't serving dinners and laughing and having funs with friends, uh, then raise your hand right now and say, Jesus, I got this out of order. I got this out of order. I believe in you. You're my savior. I love you. But I need to get you back in the front place in my life and trust that everything else is going to be fine. And you know what? The things that aren't fine are going to be fine anyway because it, this is a, just but a speck in eternity. So in closing this morning, Lord, we just dedicate this Christmas to you. Jesus, you weren't just a baby. You're the pearl of great price. You're the treasure. And I speak healing and blessing and peace and joy over every family represented here this morning. And I ask for a fresh filling and anointing of the Holy Spirit on all of these people in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. For more information on our church, check out our Facebook page or our website, www.lighthousecanton.com. Have a great week.